It is nine minutes after eight o'clock here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined right now live in studio by Merle Kelch. Yes, he's here. He's uh, aware, maybe, maybe aware. Merle? Merle, wake up. Huh? Wake up. What? We're live. Oh, (laughs) hi. Merry Christmas. No, I'm still late. Yeah, there we go. Still, yeah. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Mike. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. We'll, we'll it roll is. with it. it we'll, uh, it's working out well. It's a good year. So far. So far, yes. Uh, we're a and, week into it. And we are, we're a week into it. Uh, we do have uh, accumulating snow on the ground right now. We'll see how long that lasts today. Uh, looking at maybe half inch or so in some areas. Uh, other areas of the state are talking um, possibility of an inch or so of accumulation throughout the day. So here we're going to get the least of it right now, but do be aware of that and uh, take it easy on the roadways. If you are out and about right now, watch those road conditions uh, as well. And Merle, of course, uh, here on making financial sense, we are watching the financial conditions. And uh, you know, I, I read some news you can use yesterday, or at least uh, news we can use today in this context. Uh, your friend, Janet Yellen says that we have reached the soft landing in 2024. Do you agree with her? She drinks a lot. <laughs> I mean, j- just look at her. I mean, she's getting the gin blossom. I'm making this up. I'm just, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the big thing in, in, in article after article, we'll, we'll dive into this, folks, uh, that's popping up now is, of course, the economist trying to project what's going to happen for next year. And mm-hmm. everybody's giving their best guess and that whole bit. But one of the consistent things we're seeing along the way is it looks like it's going to be soft if we have a recession. And, and largely, it's not a question of whether or not we're going to have a recession. The bulk of them are saying we're going to have a recession, but um, uh, but very light, if anything. So so with it, you know, by the way, folks, some people sit at home in the evening and watch nice TV and, mm-hmm. and relax and take it easy. Weirdos that look just like me sit in a chair and read articles about the economy and the markets. <laughs> and then, you know, I have this great big nebulous thought about where are we going in a direction? Okay. I'm a weirdo. My wife will be the first person to say, she'll, why don't you come watch TV? And my first thought is my God, what a bunch of dribble. Nonetheless, <laughs> I'm one of those weird people. I look right. at that. And, and from having conversations with, uh, you know, business leaders and people that I know in the business area around here, and they talking about how they're slowing down. And they said, it's not like we're falling apart and business is dying. It's just slowing. And so it's been a conversation I've had, and I think I've had it on the show, is that, you know, are we coming back to a normalcy from being so overheated or not? Um, but the thing we're seeing, and I'm looking at things, and we're seeing the housing market slowing, um, uh, especially on existing um, home sales, which um, I'll get into in a minute with uh, Brian Westbury's articles here. Um, I could make a pretty good argument that we're probably already in a recession not classically where we have two quarters of a negative GDP, but we're already slowing. Um, sort of like we turn the volume from 10 down to seven, maybe, you know, something like that. Uh, whereas three might be a full blown recession, but we might already slow. So where does this go from here then? You know, well, if we look at the employment numbers this past week, and, and of course I don't have the article sitting in front of me, but much better than what people expected them to be. Um, so we look at the unemployment numbers, and again, in a recession, folks, you end up tending to have big layoffs all over the place. Now, I heard a term this morning on an article that I read, and in fact, the article that's actually sitting in front of me. Uh, it's an article from, let me make sure I get the name in here, from Francis Yu. 
Uh, they talk about employment hoarding. Okay. Never heard that term before, but it fits. And sure. so you have XYZ Manufacturing Company, though your business is slowing, Mike. Um, you don't want to get rid of these good employees because it takes so long to get them, especially over the course of these past several years. That's true. And so as a result of that, you're just going to expend from your resources to make sure you keep those employees there because you know things are going to get better. So therefore, you're going to be an employee hoarder and employee hoarding. You are actually taking the employees and keeping them in a storage container or a storage <laughs> yeah, location well, somewhere, yeah, yeah. you're just keeping them in your office. You're, you're keeping them there inside of your company because yes. you know at some point in time when business goes up, you're going to need them. And as a result mm-hmm. thereof, if you let, lay them off, they might go to your neighbor across the street. Of course. So so we're looking at this, like, is this part of this? And I'm not really sure of all of that, but we look at those things going around, and I, I could probably make a, a fairly good argument that, we could be in a recessionary slowdown period of time now. Many economists that we're talking to are talking about this actually getting um, deeper and having uh, more recessionary period of times uh, coming up. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but it's an interesting look on how things might actually uh, 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 project themselves. So we'll see. And the story that I read from Reuters this week, it was actually available on our website, uh, WSAU.com as well. Uh, if you don't check WSAU.com every day, you should because uh, the WSAU news team is constantly keeping that updated with uh, local happenings and uh, court cases and things like that. It's an excellent read every day, if I do say so myself. Uh, but Janet Yellen was talking about how it may not seem like we're hitting a soft landing right now, but she anticipated that we would have a full-blown soft landing this year. She said the biggest issue was making sure that uh, wages keep up with uh, inflation so that way people feel like they have more money or are more secure. That's one thing that I think a lot of people are going to argue about this year, uh, politically or otherwise, because obviously we're coming down from you know nine-point inflation to seven now where we are just around the two, three mark. But we're not seeing prices go below where they are right now. We're not yeah, seeing yeah. negative inflation. That's what a lot of people want to see because of the way things yeah, have gone I think up. I think there's a lot of people that have that expectation that prices are going to go down. And folks are probably not. Um, but we just don't want them going up as fast as they have in the past. In this article, and, and I'll just kind of summarize what you're saying, what, what Jenny Yellen is saying, but uh, another article, whether the, the title of it is, whether it amounts to an actual recession is uncertain, but the U.S. is heading for a soft patch, economists say, an article by Greg Robb. And I'm just going to summarize here the economists and what they say. So we have uh, Glenn Hubbard, who was a um, uh, top economist under George W. Bush. And he says, politically, it feels like a recession, but whether there is or isn't, we don't know yet. Um, Janice Eberly, who's a former economist at the U.S. Treasury Department under the Obama administration, um, says we have a good chance to avoid a recession. Dana Peterson, chief economist of the conference board, um, which is a business think tank, um, says recession could start up short and shallow, but start up after April. Um, we have continuing on Ella, Ella Zentner, chief economist at Morgan Stanley. Um, she's kicking off her call with saying it's a soft landing. Um, so we're going through. We have uh, Karen Drayden, who's an economic economics professor at Harvard, says odds of recession um, are at thirty uh, percent. She says a soft landing is more likely. Um, so, so as we're looking at this, folks, we're seeing the the same thing that we don't have people calling out. We're going to fall apart. It's going to be a big, deep, uh, hard recession. 
Um, and I kind of really tend to think the same. Um, so have we started or not? I'm not really sure. Now, the conversation of what's the Fed going to do with interest rates and what the market thinks are two entirely different things. Inside of the same article, um, one of the economists said that um, she would expect uh, we see a increase of interest rates this year and not a decrease from the Fed. Um, I think she's wrong, but she thinks that uh, we could see it go up because inflation is being hard. Now, folks, inflation comes out next week, Thursday, for our first. I think it's the CPI number comes out first on sure. Thursday morning. So we'll have a better idea what's happening with inflation. General expectation is that inflation is actually up this past quarter because we saw the markets go up and people were uh, going crazy and shopping for uh, Christmas. Mm-hmm. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. As always, our chat is just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call. So to to bring this in, uh, you know, again, to the news you can use aspect of this, if you're looking to buy a TV, if you're looking to buy... I don't know, just your standard uh, goods, groceries, things like that. You may not see the prices come down below where they are right now, but at the same time, uh, it looks like things are going to be okay. You're still going to have a job. Chances are that uh, the money will still be coming in. So there's really no reason to panic right now, but there's also reason to be aware, which I guess is kind of always the situation. You know, well said, Mike. It really is. Uh, You know, I'll get a lot of people say, you know, What's kind of funny is six months ago, a year ago, people were saying, well, Merle, what do we need to do to prepare for a recession? And now we're not hearing anybody asking those questions anymore because I think their expectations are, okay, we're not going to fall apart. We'll be all right. Uh, But there's certain things you should do in case we do slow down. And I always recommend make sure you have six months worth of cash sitting around. Um, Because usually within six months, you'll you'll find out where you're going to go. If you do lay it off, you'll you'll find out whether or not you're going to have another job or get called back or be able to cover a couple of bills until you find something different. Um, so I always recommend that. It's a good idea. Make sure you have your credit cards paid off, all those you know, mm-hmm. basic things that you would certainly, any logical person would understand to do if we do have a slowdown. Um, but this is stuff we were saying a year ago, and it never came to fruition. In fact, we actually had a very uh, robust marketplace, and the, the economy did just fine this year. So, um, But, again, those are the things we should do if we start having a recessionary uh, event coming. We'll be back with more Making Financial Sense after this here on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. 23 minutes after 8 o'clock on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well as we are making financial sense on this Saturday morning, the first Saturday of the new year, not the first full work week of mm-hmm. the new year. In fact, many people had Monday and Tuesday off. Yeah, yeah. Not me. I was here both days. Uh, Merle, though, was in Florida hanging out for a while i saw i saw the fish pictures and let yeah, me tell you, you what know, that was a good day i don't know who photoshopped those but <laughs> just top-notch work yeah it was kind of funny as half of my friends said the same thing who caught these you know <laughs> yes it, um, it looked like somebody boy, was eating good this week you know we uh you know folks one of the one of the i like to hunt and fish and, and i'm mm-hmm. terrible at both um but 
uh, we got some friends that we've uh, went fishing with for a long time out of Clearwater Beach, and so we give them a call and say, hey, Brad, can we go fishing? Yeah, we got some time. Well, we had to actually cancel one day because the weather was too bad. So we canceled one day, and I said, do you have anything on uh, New Year's Day? They said, we do. So New Year's Day, uh, my brother and I, my nephew and, and my brother-in-law, we all went out fishing. And uh, so my thing was, when I told him, I said, we want to fill the freezer up. We got a new place down here. We want to get uh, fill the freezer up. He said, gotcha. And, and you may not, the, 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 the local term, they call them grunts. And it's actually, you know, we've heard, all heard of um, uh, red, well, Jesus, red snapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, same fish is just gray. Eh, pretty much the same fish. Great table fare, awesome stuff. And we, we kept 100, and we threw probably another 100 back. Oh, wow. And so we went to three or four different spots, and, and, uh, and, and boy, we just uh, really filled up the freezer um, good. I think we all had about 10 pounds of fresh fish. Um, and three different households um, that we had, and and uh, it was a good time. And after a while, you're like, "Geez, I got to catch another one," you know. So uh, it was a good time, and we caught puffer fish and and uh, grouper and a bunch of stuff like that. And then we had to throw them all back, but um, but we kept the, the the grunts. And boy, we just had a great time. Of course, uh, my brother, who um, I don't know that he's listening right now, but I had a blast with him. You know, we're both in our fifties. I like to say he's in his sixties, and I've told people so long that he's older than me that now people believe that. Um, but he and I were, were horse around like we're 10 and 12 years old, for God's sakes. It's hilarious. We're you know, pushing each other and all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, But, you know, the difference in this, and I, I got to share this story because it just cracks me up when I think about it. You know, we're both in our 50s. We're getting out of the truck from driving up so much, and you're stiff, and you're barely, mm-hmm. as, as he says, you have to get your walking legs going. So you get your walking legs going. Of course, I come over and I push him over. I mean, because that's what you do, <laughs> just like you're, you're 10 and 12 right. years old. But we had a great time. We had a lot of work we had to do, and we got the work done and got stuff finished up, and we played a little golf poorly. Um, I did get a nine skip on a golf ball across the water. I got oh, nine wow. skips. I mean, it takes a lot of velocity to hit that. Yeah. You know, rather than just dropping in. So, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah. It means you can't hit your golf ball up. It just has to be flat to go across the water, which is entirely <laughs> what I did. Which uh, but is, it was a good time. is mostly what I do, but uh, that's another story for another yeah. time again. So, I was, uh, I was uh, while you were working, I was fishing, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Indeed. But the next morning, I had to drive a really long way. So. Yes, and and you are here today. And, and uh, again, <laughs> our chatter is just always filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. Merle, just before the break, you were talking about the uh, – we're talking about expectations for the new year and the economy and things like that. And you've, you've said you've got some signs from the housing market yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Why, is, why is that important? You know, so first of all, I'm, I'm going to be citing parts from a, uh, an article by Brian Westbury, who's the chief economist for First Data um, out of, uh, I'm sorry, First Trust out of Chicago. And, and you can uh, find his articles uh, just by going into uh, First Trust. I've had people have asked me how to do that. I um, mean, go through his weekly article he publishes on Monday. Um, he and, of course, uh, the deputy chief economist, uh, Robert Stein. So in here, they're talking about what they're looking at for real estate for this next year. Now, the reason people look at real estate is uh, real estate's a big driver of the economy. So not only are we, we buying a home and we can have some sort of determination on what hap- what's happening with the financial health of a economy or a country, um, because if things are going well, you're going to buy a house. Your generation wants to buy a house. Uh, your generation behind you, you know, the, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings are starting to say, hey, Maybe we want to start having a house. Of course, house, family, you got all, you got all that. Um, so, so you can kind of take a look at the housing marketplace, and you can actually make a, a driver of where the economy is going. Of course, if you have to build a house, you have to make wood and nails and windows and shingles and siding and all the stuff that goes with it, appliances. You know, we all know the bit. 
So what's interesting about this inside of this article is they actually think the housing market is going to continue to be pretty good. Um, and that surprised me a little bit because I, I have friends in the real estate market saying, you know, things are really kind of slowing down. And, and, uh, and they, they talk about it, you know, uh, slowing down for one of the biggest, uh, you know, knee-jerk reactions, of course, of interest rates. Interest rates went up. Nobody wanted to buy a house. And then because of interest rates are up, nobody wanted to sell an existing home because they had the mortgage rates at 2.75 or 3%. Mm -hmm yourself included. Absolutely. So with those two things, the housing market just kind of stopped and paused with the exception of one place, which is new housing starts. The news of housing starts are doing completely tremendous. And the expectation is through this article that they're actually going to be up higher next year for new housing starts. Well, you're not going to sell your existing home, but you might rent that out and buy another new one, you know, so those sort of stuff is starting to pop up. And so their opinion in here is that uh, existing home sales will start to come back up. And I uh, have to say that the only reason he said that's the case is because he basically can't jump off the floor right now uh, with the existing home sales. Uh, but that should start to pick itself back up. But the new home sales, he said, continues on. Um, he made sites in here going back to 2008. And back in 2008, when we had the housing you know, fell apart in 2008 and 2009, the financial crisis. Um, home Houses at that particular point in time, we never really caught up from that. So because of scrappage, new families coming into the marketplace, we weren't building enough houses anyway. Um, so launched with that existing home sales and the flipping going back and forth, we weren't really building enough houses and the expectation is that they will. So the opinion then is, is that, you know, one of the bigger drivers for an economy is real estate, um, real estate, housing, especially single family homes appear to be the, the direction that things are going to go through the article that Brian Westbury is saying here that new housing starts um, and being built are going to go up. And we factor with the rest of it and it kind of still fits the, mode of a soft landing or any recession at all. Um, so good news from that standpoint. I, I'm, uh, I'm happy to see that. And I think the other thing that, that ties back with this is the fact that uh, the last statistic I saw is for every home deal that is closed, there are two jobs that are created in that community, either directly or indirectly, mm -hmm. you know, through a person yeah. moving into that community and taking a job or from that person going to Menards several times a year to buy supplies, to sure. work on the house, uh, to reshingle the house if need be, or do other work. Uh, jobs created there in the retail sector with contractors, things like that. So if you have housing turning over, people are also maintaining those homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, precisely. You you can't buy a place, whether you're existing or new, and not have to go to a, you know, a home a remodeling retailer like a Lowe's or Home Depot or Menards. You just can't do it. Uh, we just did a mountain of it this past weekend. <laughs> um, so I actually thought about something. Um, Uh-oh. I, I have a business idea for somebody who wants to do it. Okay. A neighborhood cardboard compactor. Oh. Now, think about this. Um, my wife was teasing me, saying that, uh, by the way, um, folks, when I say we bought a place in Florida, it's not this big, magnificent mansion. Uh, my wife and I are now the proud owner of a single wide trailer in a 55 plus gated community. <laughs> and we bought the golf cart too. So we're big spenders. Right. All right. But to get this going, the amount of Amazon boxes that were coming in is just amazing. So the amount of cardboard we have sitting out front, we look like we're, you know, uh, hoarders, you know, mm -hmm. with the amount of cardboard we have. And so I said to my wife, I said, why don't they have a cardboard compact where, you know, for a neighborhood that somebody can just come by and pick it up. And boy, there would be an HOA fee. That'd be fantastic. You know, everybody pitches in, you know, 20 bucks a month for a cardboard compactor. You can take all your cardboard, drop it off. It's recycled. Piece of cake. 
Look at that. You know Opportunity what? by purchasing. Actually, I'm thinking coin operated. Oh, put beautiful. The, put, put, you know, 75 cents to a dollar in there and you get one push of the button. So you throw your stuff in, throw in the, uh, the coinage. Yeah. You have to obviously make it so that, uh, somebody would indeed have to put the coinage yeah. in. To <laughs> you, you have a fabulous in. idea there, yeah. Mike, but we'd have to make it so the millennials could do it. So you couldn't use coin because they don't know what those oh, are. Yeah, that's They'd right. have to use it. You'd tap the card on it somehow. 715-845-2155. If you have uh, further ideas to refine this idea for, uh, we will take your information off the air and uh, and get a business plan together. And, of course, I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense. Back with more after this on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. It is 8.37 on your Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined as always by Merle Kelch on this Saturday morning live in studio. So if you have a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. We'd love to take your call and connect you live on air. That's what we're all about here on mm-hmm. Making Financial Sense. We're here about liveness. Mm-hmm. About live. We are, except by when the way, we're not. Exactly. Um, I heard something this past weekend, by the way, I've never heard before, at Uh-oh. least out in Wisconsin. So, of course, the you know the uh, the trailer hood, as my wife likes to warmingly call mm-hmm. it, that we bought our place in has got their own Facebook page like they all do. Sure. And we had somebody said, does anybody know somebody can help get a snake out of my house? Oh. I've never really heard that here in uh, central Wisconsin, no. by the way. Yeah. No, no. No, and, yeah. and immediately I, I, <laughs> you say that, and immediately I say, Merle, I am never coming to visit you in yeah. that house. Well, there's a weird thing though. You, it's not my house. That's the cool part about it, you know. So uh-huh. easy. I also keep the doors closed so snakes don't come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, folks, there's an indicator that's been around for Jesus as long as I've been in this business, which is 30 plus years, and it's an article by Francis Yu that says the S&P 500's first five trading days may indicate the full year performance. And that doesn't bode well for stocks in 2024. Well, we can certainly make an argument that we had such a robust November, December uh, that people are waiting till after the first of the year to, you know, sell and take some profits for those that are going to do so to help offset some of the taxes. And it appears though that's kind of the, what's been happening. But if we take a look at the first five days of the year, and you go back and usually say the first five days, so goes the year, or so goes the first month, so goes the year. And so she goes through and she actually goes through the numbers and puts them together. And I'm trying to find the summary part of the page. And, of course, I can't. Well, since 1950 to date, um, it, the correlation took place 83% of the time, which means 83% of the time that we see the stock market jump up um, uh, in the first week. It, it goes up throughout the course of the year. It's been true the last 8 of the 12 years and 14 of the last 16 presidential elections. Um, it has been the case. Now, also, years during a presidential election, we see, usually to see, to see the marketplace go up. Because mm-hmm. people get all excited that their new candidate is going to change the world and make everything a better place. Absolutely. So, um, interestingly, though, um, when we look at this, um, the S&P 500, uh, a little bit different. The S&P 500, of course, uh, tends to do well one way or another. In fact, it saw an average return of 14.2% for the whole year. 
um, if we um, saw the marketplace go up in the first five weeks. And if it didn't go, I'm sorry, in the first five days, and if the marketplace in the S&P did not go up in the first five days, well, it was about even throughout the course of the year. Um, so again, diversification is still the key within this. Now, also inside of this article, they got all these really cool, pretty charts. Mm-hmm. Yay. Oh, great. Love all it. I got, I mean, it makes it worthwhile. If it's got charts, mm-hmm. you know it's legit. USA Today was on to something. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I remember that. <laughs> so all in all, folks, um, we're still a couple of days away from the first five days, granted. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we have to look back over the course of the last couple of months. I had uh, said in my office for some time with clients, I said the SP 500 has been on a terror all year. Um, I said, we just need for the Dow to catch up. We're going to have a fantastic year. You know, we look at the end of September and the Dow Jones Industrial Average was nearly even for the year. And it just turned up and had a tremendous last quarter to make the uh, uh, the year worthwhile on the uh, the Dow as well as the SP 500. Um, I think they were up about 20 and 30% respectively between the Dow and the SP 500. So for those people that were, you know, still waiting for the whole quarter to take a look at their portfolio from an October and our September 30 number. Mm-hmm. And so the world's falling apart. I want to sell. And yes, we heard people that did this. Um, they missed an entire year worth of growth in the Dow for the last quarter uh, because they did a knee jerk reaction. I certainly checked my 401k at the end of this year and uh, smile? Was, was very happy with the number that I saw. Yes, yeah, it was unexpected. Uh, but again, as I always say, Check the 401k as little as possible because that is not money for today. It is money for later on. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to? Bill. Morning, Bill. Bill. Oh, hey, Phil. Hey, Merle. Uh, um, something i just been watching as watching the news and um, you're talking about uh, the stock market and... I see a trend where, like, H&S out of Wisconsin been a business for ni- since 1900. Woods Implements been in a business since the since the 1900s. Uh, U.S. Steel all selling to foreign companies. Is is this a bailout? People taking their money out of the stock market and run and selling it to foreign countries? Are we are we gonna not own our own com- companies anymore? Are the stockholders pushing for this? Um, what's your take on that? Well, the take is actually in two different directions. Um, so first of all, I, I don't like the fact that we have a foreign country buying into ours. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of having a Japanese company, which I don't have a problem with the Japanese. I have a problem with a country, not U.S., owning U.S. steel. Um, so I have an issue with that. But one of the things we have to look at is, is why do the foreign countries want to buy these companies? They want to buy them because... Uh, America is the, the place to be. I mean, we we have you know, consistent financials. We've you know got uh, though there's not going to be a person listening that's going to agree with this statement. Uh, we have a relatively stable government. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that we haven't had a revolution in a few hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so 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 with that, um, people want to come to America to buy. But I just think that there's certain things that we shouldn't have foreign interest, um, at least principle in owning. Um, one of them is is um, you know, we have uh, Chinese government buying large swaths of U.S. Uh, um, land. I, I just don't think we should be doing that, especially yeah, around nuclear power sites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, you know, who the jack wagon, again, my term, is that thought that was a good idea. So U.S. Steel, same thing. So, you know, 
Good idea, no. Are they bailing out? No, but they're being offered a price. And so everything's for sale if the price is high enough, and I think that's what we're coming to. Now, when a foreign company owns a business and say, God forbid, we go to war, you know how the president can order uh, manufacturers to make goods for, for war. Yep. Now, now when the H&S is a huge company, you know, and Woods was a huge company, and, and U.S. Steel, now, they can they order those companies to make, and where are the stockholders? Are they gone? Are they all from a different comp all, all overseas now? So the people who sold those companies, they no longer have stock in them? Is the stock gone? Um, multiple questions. Um, so first of all, could the government force them to start producing for the U.S.? I think the answer to that is yes. I think they have to. Um, so, um, but again, there is the uh, the National Defense Clause simply saying, well, maybe we're not going to let that happen. And I don't know if the U.S. steel deal is going to happen just because of that. Um, so the other part of that is what happens with the stock? Well, it depends upon each one of the individual uh, 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 things that are going to happen. So if a company is going to go through and they're going to make it a privately held company, and I'm, I'm going to use U.S. Steel just because it's an easy name we all know, if that Chinese company says we're going to buy up all the stock and we're going to simply own all the stock and we're going to make it private, well, now the stockholders, um, they sell their shares over whatever the price is that the offer is, and they, they get that take that asset back. So they don't own the shares, but they get the money for the shares. Make sense? Sure. So what happens in many instances in here is that U.S. Steel will continue to keep functioning, so continue to keep being on the stock market, um, and they're going to make a tender offer of the Chinese company. He's going to make a tender offer for U.S. Steel and say, we're going to buy the majority interest of shares so that they have control over it. So if you've got 100% of shares that are out there, they might own 40 or 60% of the shares, the other 40% still continues to trade back and forth inside of the stock market like the others. And so that tends to be more of what ends up happening. Okay. Well, thanks for your insight. I was just curious because I, I don't like when these big companies come in and, you know, because there's a lot of workers in Wisconsin just from Woods and H&S. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're not buying it to shut it down. Um, they're buying right. it to continue the operations. Because they, whoever the companies that are buying them, um, they're foreseeing that there's going to be a lot more profit or something they can do to make it profitable for them. And, and so they continue to keep growing and making money. Um, so they don't want to just buy it and close it. They want to buy it and run it. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Good question. Absolutely. Yeah. You. Thanks for the call. Again, 715-845-2155 if you have a question for Merle. Uh, again, a lot of information uh, in there, but uh, in, and we can't, you know, put on the Swami hat and soothsay to what exactly will happen in the future. But these are just some of the mechanics of how these deals work. Correct? Yes. Um, you're talking about the Swami hat. I bought a Stormy Cromer. Maybe that worked better up here. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You can you can never project what's going to go into the future, but you can simply use the information you have to make a best guess idea. That's the best mm-hmm. way to look at it. That's why every time you hear inside of the investment world, you hear past performance is never an indication of the future and, and that whole bit. It's because of that same thing. You just have to try to make your guess. And again, uh, this big nebulous, well, maybe it's not even that big, but my nebulous brain mm-hmm. you know, tries to think about all the stuff that nobody else has, um, which probably people already have, but it sounds new to me. <laughs> right. Um, you just try to make your guess of what's going on in the future and try to take a look at the themes of where things are going and that's the best way to do it.
Again, if you have an, a question for Merle, give us a call at 715-845-2155. Right now, it's Chris Conley with This Day. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Wrapping things up on another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. Merle Kelch joining us live in studio today. So we do still have time for one or two more of your phone calls. If you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. Merle, you and I just talking uh, a little bit about uh, something that we've discussed several times on this show, artificial intelligence and AI mm-hmm. and what that's going to be doing for the market, either in AI one day, uh, of course, again, saying this tongue-in-cheek, replacing Merle uh, with the intelligence to trade and buy and sell at the right time. Merle's looking at me side-eye again, <laughs> saying, no, you're not going to replace me. Uh, but everything else that is contains AI today, which is nearly everything that is any sort of technology, mm-hmm. Uh, I've again, m- I've gotten back into the uh, trading card industry business a little bit this year. I've got some cards. I've pulled some autograph cards out of my collection. I'm gonna have them graded. Artificial intelligence is now grading trading cards. Did you know this? No. Yes. Uh, the tag card grading company, and for those of you who don't know, grading the trading card is sealing it in a plastic case, saying this card is absolutely perfect. This card's maybe got a couple of flaws here and there. It's a 9, it's a 10. It's, it's a, a number trackable, what it is. Yeah. Yes, it's a value thing. Uh, cards that are in better condition are going to sell for more money than the same card that might have a couple of folds in it or uh, the card that Merle stuck in the spokes of his uh, bike back in the day, oh, yeah. which just happened to be a Mickey Mantle. Artificial intelligence will now grade your trading card on a 1,000-point scale and will show you exactly where all the flaws or imperfections are. Well, the amazing thing about that is in there, I can almost agree to it because it takes it all personal opinion. Mm-hmm. It makes it all based on some sort of a, a numerical scale. And a, a professional grader could probably not remember all 1,000 points as where it could. It kind of makes sense to me. So I think it could actually uh, uh, work out uh, fairly well from that standpoint. And believe it By or the not, way, I thought I thought about a, a new song uh, we should publish, and okay. inside of the song is going to be called "Hey Siri." Yeah, <laughs> that'll make every phone go absolutely nuts, including, including mine, yours, which is talking right now. I'm in just front of now, me. but yes, and and uh, it's also believe it or not cheaper than sending mm-hmm. it off to a grading company. PS uh, PSA is is the number one. They're seen as the gold standard in card grading, but this new company called Tag where PSA might require 50 or 60 70 dollars maybe even sometimes close to a thousand depending on how much the card is worth tag will use artificial intelligence to grade your card for 19 dollars yeah that's the beautiful of capitalism we just found a way to be able to do it less mm-hmm. expensive and that's the whole point you know and of course uh, the beauty in having me as the host of this show is I can think of something like that that I saw this week and bring it back and make it relevant. That's true. Um, <laughs> as where I'm coming to the age where I don't remember what I had to go to the refrigerator for. 
Oh, don't don't worry. Don't worry. That <laughs> happens to me as well. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for uh, Merle. Merle, uh, one thing we want I wanted to ask you before we wrap the show up, uh, obviously getting into the new year, everything everything's fresh. It's a clean slate for you there at the office. In fact, the office is even clean, I'm sure, because you've had a few days to actually – you know, vacuum, run a vacuum over the carpet and, and run some Lysol wipes on the counters every now and then. What uh, What is it that uh, people are asking you for the questions for the new year as they come into the office? Um, well, we still have to have our first people come in the office. We had one client coming in, but it was just because we had to get some emergency paperwork done. So we'll tell you next week oh, as okay. next week is just absolutely insane from a, from a client standpoint. Um, but the biggest thing we're starting to see is people saying, well, geez, this year was pretty good. I think I'm going to retire. Um, and, and we, I mean, we saw some of that last year uh, through all the mid part of the year into the last quarter, but now it's just, it's crazy. So um, our schedule for people wanting to get ready to go retire, retirement has been just absolutely off the hook. And so um, what's interesting on this, we'll have people call say, do you do retirement planning? Well, yeah, that's kind of what we <laughs> it's do. In the title. Yeah. And, and, and so they, well, we talk about investments. We thought we just investment stuff. No, it's kind of all the same bag. You know, I, let me address that for a second because, I mean, that's been the biggest thing of people. You know, people think, and I don't know if there's out there somebody blowing smoke up somebody's skirt somewhere along the way um, because, you know, retirement planning, investment planning, financial planning is just all essentially the, the same nebulous blob. It's all the same stuff. Um, and, and some people will say, well, they don't do that. Well, no, it's, it's all kind of the same thing. And I think that's the reason the new term that's out there is financial professional. So you're not saying you're one of these things versus another. Um, and, and so watch for that, folks, because I, I think there's some, some firms that are out there that are kind of uh, taking advantage of some of these terms and people's inability or not, I shouldn't say inability, people's lack of understanding of what these different terms are, you know, so. It's kind of interesting to look at that. Yeah, and that goes into a conversation we had in the middle of last year, and actually it's kind of one of the evergreen segments now for best of making financial sense. Thanks. Is what to look for in a shady investor, because we did have some of that pop up in the Wausau area last year, and, and I think you gave some pretty good advice on the air saying, here are the questions to ask, and if, the person you're talking to, whether that is Merle, whether that's somebody else, whether that's your uh, spouse's brother's cousin that happens to do investments that you talk to once a year at the family reunions, if they start getting weird about some of those questions, there's a sign to say, maybe we should take this pile of American dollars that we have and go somewhere else. Yeah. Not to China. Don't of course, to China. not to China, never to China. Yeah, we had a client this past week, and I got to share this. And I know we're just about out of time, so I'll be quick about it. So I had a client that calls me, and he says, Merle, what do you think about this stock? So I said, okay, I know the name of it, but I, let me get some more information. So we hang up with him. We call him back a little bit later in the day. In the meantime, uh, uh, Kim in her office, God bless Kim. So Kim goes through, she gets the research reports out. I look at the research reports, and, and here's a Chinese it's a, a new startup Chinese Amazon kind of thing. Okay. I'm not going to say the name of the company. Sure. Um, and I'm looking at this going, okay, so so the numbers are okay, but it's wholly owned by China. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm guessing if I dig into this, I'm going to find the Chinese uh, Communist Party in the middle of someplace. 
So I, uh, you know, client calls back and says, what do you think? I said, well, I would personally never buy it because I don't like communists. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, is all oh, so we're not going to buy it. I said, no, no, you got to make your own decision. I said, I'm just telling you, you know, my opinion, why, why I would do. Um, and so I sent him the research report. And so he, he came back later and told him, well, I'm not going to buy it because Merle said, oh, no, I didn't say that. You know, so, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but you know, like anything else, you, you find the names of the companies and where they are. You know, I, I like keeping the dollars in the U S if I can, it makes a lot more sense uh, versus buying what's called an ADR, which is what this was. And ADR stands for, by the way, it's called an American depository receipt. Um, so you can buy a foreign company, such as this company, this is Chinese owned. Um, you can buy that company in America through an American depository receipt. Mm-hmm. So it has to uh, abide by the U.S. principles of the generally generally accepted accounting principles called GAAP, and they have to do all those things to, to, to be able to get there. And I'm sure the company's fine. Um, their math looked okay. Um, I just don't want to buy stuff that's in China in my own personal portfolio and recommendations. So if you need uh, more advice like that, how do they reach you during the week? <laughs> nice segue. Yes. Um, you can give us a call, folks. Third Avenue. I'm sorry, stop in and hello. Have a cup of coffee on Third Avenue and Bridge Street in Wassa. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelchinassociates.com.